Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. It's so good to see all of you here, um, and we know a lot of you are also watching online at home. So let's remember, we are, although we can't all be here, we're still worshiping together as one community, and invite you to turn to your neighbors, uh, just give a wave to say hi. Uh, if you're online, you could always type into the chat, uh, peace be with you, put a heart symbol, so that we can uh, greet one another. And as we uh, prepare our hearts for worship, I invite you to stand and join me in the call to worship. Hungry for meaning? Welcome, Welcome home. Thirsty for purpose? Welcome, Welcome home. Yearning for comfort? Welcome home. Burning for challenge? Welcome home. Ready for learning? Welcome home. Eager for serving. Welcome, welcome home and, and welcome, welcome to, to worship. worship. So uh, we now come to a time of praise and worship. I invite you to remain standing or be seated if you prefer. Uh, uh, currently, we're not allowed to sing on site. So if you're here, you can um, still close your eyes. You can raise your hands. Do whatever you feel comfortable with. And let the music just minister to you um, as we join in praise and worship together. Praise God in the good times and the bad. Amen. Amen. In days of peace and days of rest, in times of
grown cold there your love will unfold as you open my eyes to the work of your hand when I'm blind to my way there your spirit will pray as you open my eyes to the work of your hand as you open my eyes to the world of your hand, oceans will part, nations come at the whisper of your call. Hope will rise, glory show. Suffering may pass, Lord, your mercy will last. As you open my eyes to the words of your hand, and my heart will find praise, I'll delight in your way. As you open my eyes to the word of your hand, Jesus, Come at the whisper of your 
be seated. Let us bring our thanksgiving and concerns before God in prayer. We thank you for getting us through another week of work and school. We thank you for work you have given us, even if it's not always pleasant. When we are weary, frustrated, or tempted to complain, help us to turn to you And remember that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. Teach us healthy ways to cope with these stresses. Give us wisdom and patience to deal with difficult supervisors, teachers, co-workers, and clients. Help us to see as you see them, your flawed yet beloved creation for whom Christ died. We pray for those who are jobless, seeking new jobs, or needing direction in life. Help us to trust in you and use the opportunity to draw close to you. We lift up to you areas of conflict and suffering in the world. Look upon the people of of Afghanistan and have mercy. We pray for organizations like Women for Afghan Women that has been promoting women's rights. 
whose leaders in the country are especially vulnerable because of their activism. We pray that they may be quickly evacuated to safety and be provided with resources to survive if they remain in the country. We pray for the Biden administration to exercise good judgment in handling the situation. We pray for the Taliban to stay their hand from exacting retribution or using fear to control the population. We pray for level-headed individuals whom we may never know who are finding ways to courageously protect vulnerable peoples and their communities. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The issue of vaccination has caused divisions around the world. It has uncovered injustices and in access between the rich and the poor. We pray that media attention to these inequities may pressure wealthier countries to share their resources. Even in countries where the vaccines are readily available, like in Singapore, individuals face judgment for their choice. You call us to be patient so that we may be the body of Christ to each other. We pray for the new care initiative at FCC, that we may all learn to practice care. Please call people who have a heart to care for the sick and those in mourning. Raise up prayer intercessors who are sensitive to your spirit's leading. We pray for existing and new uh, cell groups, uh, Figus, Carica, and Sprout, for the leaders to work well together, for sharing and study that build up the members' relationship with each other and with you. We pray for our pastors, for Pauline to be energized in her theology coursework, and for Miyak to manage well as he takes on uh, more tasks. Grant them both a deep sense of your peace. Help us to see and hear and know your living presence in us today. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Oh, you bless the pure air. 
My name is Gary, and we are so glad you are here with us today as we go into the Word together. A big welcome if you are joining us for the first time, whether you are with us here in church or joining us live online right now, or maybe watching this sometime in the week ahead. If you're joining us this morning live, one big benefit is that we can collectively come together to contribute to this sermon using menti.com. So I'd like to invite you that if you have a second device on your computer at home, you can use this opportunity to open your browser and go over to menti.com and enter today's code, which is 42302793, and you'll be able to contribute anonymously to today's sermon. This has been such a valuable tool for us in a time especially 
when we are not yet able to meet in person and fellowship together, to be able to hear one another's voice and to learn together as we continue with our sermon series called Blessed, the Beatitudes, which is based on one of Jesus' first and perhaps most famous sermons that he preached as recorded in Matthew chapter 5. But you know, how much of this sermon do we actually understand? And so this sermon sets out to help us to unpack this and look at these eight proclamations of blessings by Jesus and what it meant for the people back then and also for us today. So often we forget that we are blessed. So right now, as we get into the Word, would you turn to your neighbour if you're here on site and go and say to them, because we can still say, we can't sing, but we can say to them, you are blessed. And maybe if you're online, you know, um, you can also type in the chat window, you are blessed. Now turn to the other neighbour that you didn't pick <laughs> and tell them, I am blessed. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. So today we are going to be looking at the third proclamation of blessing from Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And it reads, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know, this beatitude follows a similar structure to the rest of the beatitudes. You have the proclamation of blessing to an audience here, the meek, and then the promise, for they will inherit the earth. So let's take this part by part. And let me first use this opportunity to ask you, what do you think this word meek means to you? You know, this word meek is certainly not one that I use in my vocabulary on a daily basis. We don't use it very commonly today. But you know, the people who were listening to Jesus' sermons then would have gotten the ideas of what meek means from the original Greek word which was used, which is called prayers. And the closest translation of this word prayers is to be gentle or humble, and it is associated with usually having a lack of strength or being undervalued. And as you can see from the responses, I don't think that they are too different in their understanding of what it means to be meek today. Some of you are right, humble, submit to authority, gentle, kind in heart, small, like a mouse, uh, soft-spoken, quiet. So thank you for that. And in order for us to better understand how this would be received by Jesus' audience, we need to remember the situation that the Jews were in when, the Jew, when Jesus was speaking these words. You see, the Jews were living in a time where their land was being occupied by the Roman Empire and they were being oppressed by the Roman army. So when Jesus started his ministry and declared himself to be the Messiah, the expectation by the people starting to follow him was that he would be this rabbi who would move in a powerful way. He would be this great revolutionist who would overthrow the evil government of that time and deliver them, or be this mighty leader who would drive out the Roman army and reclaim the Holy Land for the people of God. But we all know that Jesus didn't, know, didn't do any of that. What did he do instead? He takes this upside-down, counter-cultural approach and challenges people with these eight proclamations of blessings to the most unlikely of recipients. 
So you can imagine the confusion and the frustration that the audience might have been feeling when Jesus says statements such as, Blessed are the meek, for they will, be, will inherit the earth. What are you talking about, Jesus? We, we know meek. We have had our property taken from us because we are meek. We are in debt because we are meek. We have been abused, we have been oppressed, and we have certainly, certainly not inherited this earth. You know who has inherited our land? The Roman Empire has. And they have done this with their power and might and at our expense. How do you call the meek blessed, Jesus? Do you think it's any different today? Do you think that the meek are blessed and inheriting the earth? I invite you to put your responses in menti, but at the same time, reflect and think about what's happening around us. The powerful get their way. The ambitious get promoted. Those with privilege get richer. And people succeed by asserting power and pushing over others. These are the people who seem to be blessed and seem to be inheriting the earth, right? Jesus, what you're saying here makes absolutely no sense to the reality that we are living in. Well, I guess that everybody here in responding is a lot more spiritual than the people at that time because more of you say that, no, these people are not blessed today and inheriting the earth. And maybe you're onto something because Jesus doesn't let go of this idea. And later on in this same sermon, he goes on to expand on this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38. And it says here, You have heard it said, An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, Go the second mile. <laughs> Are you crazy, Jesus? This is exactly how the meek get taken advantage of. This is not how the world works, Jesus. This is too radical. You know, even Barack Obama in one of his speeches in 2006 suggested that the Sermon on the Mount is so radical, it is doubtful that the US Department of Defense would survive its application. So let's first put it out there and say that all the Beatitudes are challenging. And that's why it's important for us to be able to unpack it together. Unpack Jesus' perhaps most famous sermon and take time to understand what Jesus was really, really saying. And we first need to begin by looking at what meekness means. We earlier talked about the closest translation in the Greek of meek is, and it rhymes, huh, the Greek of meek, is the word gentle. And it usually is used in Greek common language to describe three things. It's used to describe medicine, wind, and horses. What? <laughs> medicine, wind, and horses? Yes. You see, when a doctor prescribed medicine that would help take away pain, and during that time, the word for meek would be used to describe that medicine. And when sailors felt that gentle, cool breeze coming off the ocean on their face that refreshed them, they too used the same word, meek, to describe it. And finally, when you had farmers who had a stallion that was broken in and ready to help them plough the field, they would describe that horse with the word meek. So what's the common thread here? 
You know, in every one of those situations, these things are actually very powerful. But when their power is used under control, they benefit others. But out of control, they can be very destructive. So consider medicine. Medicine is powerful to help with addressing an ailment, right? And when it's used in control, it is beneficial. But when it's abused, it can ruin lives. Drug abuse has ruined lives from ancient times all the way up to today. And what about the wind that sailors feel on their face? It can be this refreshing breeze that is, that is just gently rolling off your face or a giant typhoon that could destroy the very boat that they're on. And finally, with a horse, we know that horses are beasts with amazing structure and powerful muscles. They can help do things, carry things, run through fields, or plow them when they're domesticated. But untrained, a stallion runs wild and can cause a lot of damage. And if you read some of the earlier translations of the Old Testament, there's actually the imagery that is being used of wild horses when people do not have vision or the revelation of God. So weak meekness is not weakness. Medicine, wind, and horses are powerful. The meek are the gentle. Those who have the power under control that it becomes beneficial to others. So to get a better understanding of what it means to have power under control, and to better understand this beatitude, let's look deeper at what Jesus was speaking to. When Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, he wasn't you know, coming up with something brand new or a new idea. He was actually doing what he usually likes to do, which is to quote passages from the Old Testament. And in this case, he was quoting from Psalm chapter 37. So here you see, in Psalm chapter 37, verse 11, it says, But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Right here, we see a very similar rendition of this blessing from Matthew 5.5, and very similar promise. And so, but surrounding this passage will give us the context of what it means to have an attitude of power under control, what it means to be meek. So I'm going to read from verse 1 now. And so Psalm 37, verse 1 says, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. Verse 7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will, no long, they will not be found. But the meek, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. So the first attitude I want us to see about being meek is the one who trusts and hopes in God. 
You can see here in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Verse 5, commit your ways to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. You see, the meek are those who choose to trust in God. Someone who is meek is also a person who hopes in God. And the word trust and hope actually come from the same root word in the Greek. So the meek is the person that chooses to put their hope in God and trust God that God will provide everything that is needed. The person who trusts is one who does not worry. And three times we see this phrase, do not fret, in Psalm 37. Do not fret because of those who are evil. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. To fret simply means to worry. The meek do not worry about how others are doing or what others are doing or what others are doing around them because their trust and their hope is in the source of their power in God. But how often do we look at others who are, seem to be getting ahead, becoming more prosperous, and start worrying that we are not keeping up? The meek are those who trust and hope in the source of that power and that God is in control. Living in hope doesn't mean that one isn't concerned about what's going on around them. But as one trusts in the Lord and do good and lives out of a place of hope of the power and grace and sufficiency of God, our attitude can be one of bringing these concerns to God and not lean to either cynicism or worry. Cynicism says, why bother? Because this situation can never change. And that reflects a lack of hope. Worry says, I need to fret about everything, even if there's nothing I can do about it. And that reflects a lack of trust. But Jesus encourages us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, saying, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle, which is the same word meek, and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a beautiful picture, isn't it? We can come to Jesus who is going to give us an easy yoke. Jesus is the picture of meekness. And the second attitude about being meek that I want to share this morning is about self-control. Self-control. And here we see in Psalm 37 and verse 8, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. Here we see the attitude of self-control in the way we are called to refrain from anger and turn from wrath. And so I think that a great picture of this is one of Jesus when he was actually arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Roman soldiers came with Judas with swords and clubs and torches to arrest Jesus, and Peter grabs a sword. He's, you know, fretting and trying to defend Jesus, and he swings and cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers. And Jesus tells Peter, Hey, Peter, put away your sword. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Don't play this game. Do you know, right now, Peter, I could call 12 legions of angels to my defense. 
you know how many angels that is? A legion comprises of 4,200 soldiers. And so that's 50,400 angels that Jesus is holding off saying that these angels, 50,400 of them can come to my defense right now. But he doesn't. He has all the power and authority, but he's not going to do that because his power and authority is submitted under the control and the will and the purposes of God. The attitude of meekness does not mean that one is not responsive. It means that one is not reactive. And James reminds us in the book of James chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, saying, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So let me ask you this. How do you react to a situation where you are treated unfairly? Do you quickly react with anger? You know, I have to be honest that this is an area that I really struggle with, especially with the multitasking stress of life, especially when I am tired. And so someone just says something to offend me, annoy me, or I feel there's something unfair towards me or the situation of the things I care about. And in that moment, I react and snap back. I'm quick to anger and slow to listen. <laughs> yeah, I think about half of, of um, us in the mentee have got a very similar response, but you know, a lot more of you over there are like Jesus than I am. Maybe you should be up here sharing the message instead. <laughs> Because we are a quick, an easily offended generation and we often react in anger and we snap at others. This is um, commonly known on the MRT escalator as... You know that? <laughs> but what does, that do, what does that do? Is that it moves us relationally apart from one another. We may be right. Our reaction might be justified. But what it does is that it breaks relationships down and moves us relationally away from shalom, the wholeness of relationships that God had intended in God's kingdom. So self-control is almost like the hallmark of being meek. Self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And we can only bear this fruit, we can only produce this fruit when we are willing to give up control to the Spirit of God. It is submitting ourselves to the gentle voice of the Spirit of God who dwells within us and empowers us to be able to have self-control. It's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? How do you actually gain something by giving up something? But by losing my pride, my need to be right, my personal direction over what I want, and give control over to the Spirit of God, I actually gain self-control. So, so far, we've actually talked about two attitudes about being meek. One who trusts and hope in God, and the other who has self-control. And the final attitude that I like to share about being meek is this idea of, uh, this idea of power under control is one who is intentional. One who is intentional. A few weeks back, we talked about ecclesia and mission how the mission of the church 
is connected with Jesus' mission to break in this new kingdom and how this kingdom is aligned to God's mission of restoring shalom. Restoring shalom is the way of, you know, we can think about God's mission to restore things the way they were intended to be between us and God, us and ourselves, us and one another, and us and all of creation. And so, this clarity of purpose set Jesus on a path toward that mission. He went about, as you have read in the Gospels, exposing systems of power. He turned the value system of worthiness upside down. He stood in solidarity with those who were marginalized. And he preached how God's presence, favor, and blessing were especially with those who were the least in society. And that intentionality set him on a path towards the cross. We see Jesus' clarity in mission and attitude of intentionality in this final reference to meekness in Jesus' final entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, which is recorded in Matthew 21, verse 4, fulfilling the purpose as prophesied in, by the prophet Zechariah. And it says here, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to, the daughters, to, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle, which is that same word, meek, power under control, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so this is a picture of power under submission to the mission and the will of God. Whenever you read the Gospel of Matthew, you see that Matthew actually divides history into two ages. The present um, age of evil, that God will soon end, and the coming realm when all things will take place according to God's purposes of love and justice. You see, the breaking in of God, the kingdom of God doesn't just refer to this future coming kingdom of a restored world that his followers would trust and hope for in God to inherit but it's also one that they could participate in as well as in creating in the here and now. And this same aptitude of meekness, of intentionality that made Jesus a change maker, that made him stand out in his life and stand on how he lived his life, is the same charge of meekness that is given to his disciples, his followers, in their time as well as to us today. In the same sermon, Jesus charged those who were listening to him in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, saying, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and to be trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it out on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and then glorify your Father in heaven. So intentionality is not about blending in with the status quo, but neither is it trying to stand out to try and outdo everyone else to get ahead or to increase one's value. It is the recognition of the power of God in your life 
and the purpose that we have as Christ followers to be change makers in the restoration of the world to the way it was originally created and intended by God. And so if you were, if you were listening to the words of Jesus that day, as you are listening to Jesus' words today, you might be thinking, what can I do? I feel no different from many of the people who were listening at that time. Jesus, you talk about power under control here, but <laughs> what power do I have? You talk about self-control and intentionality, but Jesus, you seem to be contradicting yourself. You know, you talk later um, about us not resisting an evildoer. Aren't you asking us to let these people trample over us? To let those people abuse us? To strike us? after they've already, you know, inflicted harm on us? And you want us to give up our rest of our garments when they want our coat? And then go above and beyond when we are asked to, to respond to help others to go the extra mile? And while maybe we read all of these things in confusion, the people listening at the time were beginning to realise exactly what Jesus meant in these responses that brought this attitude of meekness to life. You see, the word, do not resist an evildoer, is better understood as do not go to battle with an evildoer. Jesus here is saying to his followers, it is not about taking things lying down, people, thinking you have no power, and neither is it going out all out using your power to retaliate violently to repay the evil. But Jesus says, Jesus is saying here, there is a third way, the way of meekness. For example, the first example that Jesus cites on is being struck on the right cheek. And theologian Walter Wink explains to us that to this audience listening to this message, this refers to a backhanded slap by the right hand of the master or whomever who is above them in power and authority to humiliate them to get them back in line and to get them to do what they, that the, the master wanted them to do. But Jesus here is saying, the power that you have, even though you think you have no power, is to turn your left cheek to the oppressor. If you are the master, you are no longer able to slap that person on the left cheek with the back of your right hand. You know, turn the left cheek, how do you, you know, right hand. Can't be done. So, big deal. Why can't you hit the person instead? with the back of your left hand, right? Well, it seems that in Jewish tradition, that would make the oppressor unclean and ex have them excluded from, from community for 10 days. The significance of what you can do with your right hand and your left hand. Well, I don't use my right hand, uh, left hand instead. What if I punch that person instead of slapping them? Well, they could. But that would be saying you will be an equal to the aggressor because only equals fought with their fists. So when you're turning the left cheek, what Jesus is saying is that you can defy oppression. You can assert your humanity. You can answer, you can, and, and you, can, you can do this in a way that you're not answering the oppressor in kind. This is the way of meekness. Non-violent action that will not cooperate with anything humiliating. All right, Jesus, 
What about your second example of giving the rest of our garments when someone sues us for our coat? What about that one, huh? Well, you see, Walter Wing again helps us to explain that the people that Jesus was speaking to were in a system of continual poverty and impoverishment at that time from their debts because of the continual exploitation by the government to collect and overtax people to fund war efforts. The only thing by law that could not be permanently taken away from a person is one's coat so that they have something to sleep in at night on the streets. And so this would be the collateral that would need to be returned at the end of each evening so that the poor could have something to sleep in. Um, so what has this got to do with responding with giving the rest of one's garments? Well, this would mean that the debtor would not just hand over the coat to the creditor, but also to strip off the rest of their clothes and hand it over as well at the same time and leave the courtroom naked. With nakedness being taboo in Judaism, the debtor will have, this debtor with no power to win this case has now turned the shame instead from himself to that of the creditor and the people viewing the nakedness and in effect, create a powerful protest against the existing system and unmask the people that created the system, this systemic cycle of debt in losing their dignity by viewing this nakedness in the same way that their dignity had been robbed. And finally, while we have co-opted the third example cited by Jesus in going the extra mile for others, Jesus was really referring to the system that gave the ability for a Roman soldier to force any person to carry their pack of 30 kilos for one mile while they were dispatched to faraway places. We see how Simon of Cyrene was drafted in by the soldiers to carry Jesus' cross. And here we see Jesus tell people not to retaliate to the system, but instead flip it around and continue to carry the pack for another mile. <laughs> Big deal. But to these people listening to it, they would start to realize, hey, this is actually, by allowing the soldiers to let you continually carry for another mile, it will be breaking military code. Not only will it be an insult to the soldier's strength, this will also cause him to end up being disciplined by his superiors. And although these examples may seem strange or distant to us today, these examples were not lost on Jesus' audience who experienced this on a daily basis. Theologians believe that these were very, very common examples for this audience. People who believed that they were powerless, that they had no way to be able to respond in meekness. And in fact, how they could use the power that they had to be a change maker and incite a social revolution. There was no need to wait for the future coming kingdom of Rome to be defeated, to have their land restored one day, or to be freed from slavery in the distant future. Jesus was saying that you have power and agency over your immediate realities to be that salt, to be that light, to be that change maker, regardless of your station in life today. And you can recover your dignity, your freedom, and unmask inequalities and create social change. And that, my friends, 
He's taking the fullness of meekness and responding from a place of hope and trust in God, exercising self-control in response and anchored in the intentionality of following Jesus towards God's mission of restoration. As we close today, you might be sitting there like those listening to Jesus thinking, ah, I don't really have very much power. Well, I pray that today, that God reminds you that the same Spirit that formed the earth from chaos, the same Spirit that descended on Jesus like a dove, the same Spirit poured out onto the disciples is the same Spirit that is with you here today. God's promise is that God is pouring out God's Spirit on all people. You are the beloved of God, equally loved, equally empowered, and equally commissioned by the Holy Spirit. I wonder, is there a situation that God is calling you to respond in meekness, not in weakness, not in cynicism, not in retaliation, but in meekness? If you would, share what the Spirit of God is saying to you today. And as you respond in meekness, as you submit to God's power in you, as you live out of a place of hope and trust as God's beloved, as you set intention towards God's purposes in your life and in the world, and as you submit your power under God's control, you become a follower of Jesus Christ himself. You break in and inherit the promised kingdom of God, and God calls you blessed. Amen. Let's prepare our hearts for Holy Communion and for those who are at home, let's take a quick moment to prepare the elements so that you can partake this meal together. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are all not we are not all physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. So this means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. The cross is two lines intersecting. The cross is where sorrow meets joy, where pain meets healing, fear meets faith, death meets resurrection, hate meets love. This table is at the intersection where two lines meet. This table is the declaration that love is stronger. Love is stronger than hate, stronger than death. This table where we break bread is the table of love, the center from where love flows. This table is one of awareness, awakening, of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of salvation, of love. With grateful hearts, we break the space of history to share in your vision of sharing at your table 
where all are equal, all are free. We ask you to bless this bread and this cup. Through this meal, make us the body of Christ, that we may join with you in promoting the well-being of all creation. Amen. Remember on the night when Jesus and the disciples had their last meal together, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it. He gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat it, and as often as you do, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to the, he gave it to the disciples. He said, Drink this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant, poured out for you and for many. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. May I invite the amazing stewards to please come forward to help distribute the elements of which we all partake together. God bless these simple elements so you nourish and strengthen us as body and in spirit. Let's partake the elements together.
May I invite the congregation to please stand in body and spirit to join in this prayer. Lord, Lord make, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. May be seated. So good morning and welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. FCC is an inclusive church. That means you are welcome here regardless of your theological background, your gender identity, your sexual orientation, economic status, or any of the labels the world puts on you. To those of you who worship with us regularly, and to those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome home. My name is David and I'm the service leader for today. If the sermon has blessed you uh, and you're watching online, we invite you to please click on the like button or click on the subscribe button. By doing so, you actually help the video to be um, recommended to other people on YouTube uh, through the YouTube's algorithm. So hope you don't mind take a moment to do that. Um, if you are the first, uh, first time with us, uh, we invite you to leave your uh, information at uh, fcc.la slash fccwelcome or scan the QR code. Uh, this is not so that we can spam you, it's just so that our pastors can reach out to you, uh, find out how we can serve your needs better. And we also have a newcomers meeting on the last Sunday of the month, which is actually today. Uh, so it will be happening right after the service today. And if you have not signed up, but you actually would like to sign up, uh, it's not too late. If you're here, you can just stay around after the service, uh, look for me or, or one of our leaders, and they'll show you where you can go. Um, but if you're at home, uh, drop an email to info at freecomchurch.org. We'll check our email and make sure we get you a link so you can join the meeting online. And now uh, we'll continue to worship God with our giving. There's two ways you can give. Uh, we have the FCC General Fund, which goes towards mainly our pastor salaries and our staff and expenses. And then we have our building fund, which goes to paying off our mortgage on this property, which pays every month. Uh, so you can pay by PayNow by scanning the QR codes, or you can give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. So please join me as we pray for the offering. Dear Lord, thank you that you came to us in meekness, in gentleness, and you drew us to yourself with loving kindness. God, we're, we're so grateful to be your children, your beloved children. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to participate in building your kingdom through giving of our resources. And we pray that these resources will be multiplied to help FCC to be a beacon of hope and of love to all, your, all those around. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I now invite the ushers to come forward to take up the offering. 
If you're on site and you would like to give, just raise your hand and the ushers will come to you. Uh, while the ushers are going around, we have a few other announcements. The first is that um, we do need more volunteers to help with the production ministry. As you know, uh, we've, been giving, we've been doing the online service for more than a year now. Uh, it's actually quite a lot of work. We've got people on camera, we've got people on um, sound, we have people doing the slides, we have producers. Uh, and of course, these folks have been tirelessly working week after week. So if, there's, if you're wondering, oh, you know, I would like to figure out how I can serve in church, well, this would be an, uh, a good way for you to serve. You can drop an email to info at freecomchurch.org and then you'll be invited to have a free, uh, like a no-commitment tour behind the scenes to see what, what is involved and whether it would be a good fit for you. Um, and, and now we actually have a very special announcement. So this is um, the 10th year that our pastor Myak Siu has been the pastor of Free Community Church. So we, this is a bit of a surprise. <laughs> so... We'd like to invite him to come forward. And so, yeah, 10 years ago, Pastor Miak was ordained and was uh, joined FCC as our full-time pastor. And since then, he has poured his love, his passion, his energy into our church. And we're so grateful to him for not just being our pastor, but also our brother and our friend. And we've, um, we'd like to give him this uh, plant. Because... <laughs> He loves plants, and we also have curated this plant to be a diverse collection of plants to celebrate the diversity of our church, as well as uh, to say, as he takes care of this plant, it will remind him of his calling to nurture the body of Christ in FCC, <laughs> and so we hope this, this uh, gift will be a blessing to him. Uh, we'd also like to invite Pastor Pauline to come forward to say a prayer for Pastor Mia. So what a special day, right? Uh, and we actually found out, we went to go dig in through the archives and realised that Pastor Miak actually signed the contract to start working with FCC on the 1st of September, 10 years ago. And so we are very close to the 1st of September. And so this is really a momentous time uh, for us to remember because 10 years is a whole decade of God's faithfulness in his life and in our life as a community. And so will you join with me in prayer? as we give thanks to God for him, and as we pray for him for the next 10 years. Okay, let's pray for him. Okay. <laughs> and more. <laughs> Loving God, we give thanks to you for our Pastor Myak. I cannot imagine how this 10 years must have been for him from the moment he was ordained and came back to FCC, from his starting out years as a pastor, through the ups and the downs, the challenges, the struggles, and through the tremendous growth that we've all been able to see and witness in Him. God has such a testament to your faithfulness at work amongst us and in His life. I thank you for the way that He pours out His heart for you, for our community and for the community outside, for His commitment towards justice and love and mercy, for the way that He continues to lead us and model to us what it means to love you and to love our neighbour as ourselves. And so God, I pray that this will be a continuing process of growth for him, that even in the next 10 years and more, that God, you will use him in a tremendous way to nurture this community and the community beyond, that to all that you call him to do, God, will you help him to have the strength, 
to have all the encouragement and support that he needs, help surround him with all um, the love, the joy, the comfort, and all the things that he will need to continue the journey ahead. God, we pray that as a community that we will be committed to loving him as well, the way that he pours out himself for us, that we will be able to love him back and to help him to fulfill his calling, the calling that you've called him to, to be a shepherd in our midst. And so God, we just want to commit him to your loving hands. We thank you so much for him and for all that he represents, for his presence and for his life and for the gifts that he brings along with him. And we pray that you'll continue to grow these gifts, continue to nurture him, that he may truly be more like you, uh, even as we, as a community, grow with, together with him. So we commit him to you and thanking you for him as we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, don't kill the plant. <laughs> yes, yes, come, come. Leave your plant. So, <sighs> yay. <laughs> Truly, we thank God for Myak. I think um, there are just so many things. I mean, even for me personally, that I'm so thankful for him for. And uh, he's been such an amazing brother and co worker. And I couldn't have asked for more. And so I am very thankful for him, as I'm sure a lot of us are. And will you rise as you're willing and able to receive the benediction? God, this morning we are so grateful to you, not just for Myak's life and calling amongst us in this community, but for your faithfulness in the way that you have worked amongst us. And even as we've heard your word today about what it means to be meek, God, send us out as your people who are meek in a world that does not believe in meekness. But God, help us to be your people, people who truly know what it means to have power under control and to, who knows what it means to trust and hope in you in all circumstances. That God, you will truly help us to be your people that makes a difference in this world that desires so much of your love and your transformation. So now go. Go as God's meek people, as our meek Lord leads you and surrounds you every day of your life. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us for service today. Uh, we hope that you will join us again next week and have a blessed week ahead.